everyone, and thank you for listening to the 30th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Cameron, I'm doing great today. I am a little perplexed. I'm a little stressed um, due to some of the events that uh, came upon us today, but I'm (laughs) still hanging in there. How about you? I am doing very well. I was um, actually out and about. I didn't have to work today. I was enjoying the sights of the Wonders of Wildlife Museum and Aquarium here in Springfield on this lovely day. And then I got a little distracted. Um, I saw some tweets, saw some things that I didn't want to see. My wife got on to me for being on my phone too much when we were in the aquarium. And I had to explain something just happened. <laughs> it's not good. It's really uh, unfortunate, though, because it's the Wonders of Wildlife is, is a really awesome uh, experience. If you haven't uh, done that, it's here in Springfield. It's associated with Bass Pro. Uh, but it, it truly is a really cool experience, and it's not cheap either. So that's unfortunate that you were you had that, um, that news come upon you Once at that I time. Once I saw what was going on, I just put my phone away and just like, I'll catch up on all that yeah. in, a, in a, an hour or two and finished up the museum. But, yeah, it was fantastic. I would recommend it to anybody. That was my first time going. Um, we'll probably go back. I actually probably enjoyed the stuffed animals and the exhibits that they are in a little bit more than the fish, the live fish in the aquarium. You know, that's a bit of a hot take, but I think I would agree with you, actually. I really uh, enjoyed how they just create that immersive experience, uh, just really setting the scene of Definitely. what it's like to be in the in Africa or the uh, Antarctica or wherever you are mm-hmm. <laughs> with those those exotic animals. So yeah, it, either way though, you can't go wrong with with either portion. It's really cool. And this has been uh, the official podcast of Wonders of Wildlife. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> we did that for free, completely free. Yep, they didn't no even pay us. If if you want to pay us to uh, do a review of your museum, Bass Pro, we're more than happy to. And stick around to the end of this episode. And you will see how you can be entered into a drawing to win one of our awesome T-shirts, Missouri Sports Podcast T-shirts that producer Cameron made. So um, enjoy and stick through to the end to figure out how you can do that. Anyway, let's jump into some news. Um, I think, so for those of you that don't know, uh, Missouri was handed some punishments by the NCAA uh, for about a two-year-old case involving a tutor named Yolanda Kumar. So the sanctions were doled out today, and I'll just run through those real quick, and then we can kind of give some backstory, because I think I have a, an assumption here that producer Cameron doesn't really know anything about this. Correct. So the football team, baseball team, and softball team are all affected by this. They all ha- are on three years probation now. They have postseason bans for the upcoming season. Oh, frick. Yeah, so no no SEC championship game, no bowl game for the football team, if, if that were to happen. I'll save my question. <laughs> uh, no postseason whatsoever for baseball or softball. Their records will be vacated, so any wins that they got with these players that are now deemed ineligible go away 
they have a 5% reduction in scholarships. This is true for all these teams. Um, and then they have some pretty strict recruiting restrictions for this coming year. So they have, there's a seven-week ban on unofficial visits, a 12.5% reduction in, in official visits, a seven-week ban on recruiting communications, seven-week ban on all off-campus recruiting contacts and evaluations, a 12.5% reduction in recruiting or evaluation days. There's also a fine of $5,000 plus 1% of football, baseball, and softball's budget for the next year. With 1% of the profits of each of those programs going directly to the NCAA as well, which is, is actually kind of significant. And, and the biggest one of all that I skipped, a 10-year show-cause penalty for the tutor. So this tutor that is publicly announced that she helped college athletes, athletes cheat, this has been well-known for the last two years, basically you're not she's not allowed to have that job or if a if a school does they potentially face repercussions but it doesn't matter she, nobody's going to hire her as a tutor anyway so that is completely ir irrelevant basically so that's pretty stiff punishment <laughs> sorry i took a drink at the wrong time <laughs> you have to like edit this out okay no where i don't even know where to start here I have a lot of thoughts on all of this stuff. Um, I'll just I'll just pick a place and st I'll just start rambling off unless you have a question that you want to uh, ask producer Cameron. Well, I feel like we should talk about Kelly Bryant at some point. Yeah, yeah. So that was my very first like. Okay, oh, so no. any seniors on any of these three teams—baseball, softball, football—can transfer, and they—it's already been said, it's already been announced—they would be granted immediate eligibility. At a, at a different school by the NCAA if they decided to transfer. But the good news is, Kyle, you want to let him know specifically about Kelly Bryant? Kelly Bryant is said he is most likely going to stay. I think that is, I think Why? he is staying uh, officially. So uh, places are reporting that that is the case. St. Louis Post Dispatch has reported that he's going to stay, mm -hmm. according to their sources. Right. It'd be awful, though. It is awful. Um, but for I mean, for one, they're going to appeal this, so it is po it is possible that this could be overturned. Uh, that's a long way away, but I don't know. I th I just feel like it was uh, he's a stand up guy. You know, he made a commitment. He was uh, all in on the momentum of the football team. He likes the personality, likes the coaches. Uh, you know, I don't think that he necessarily joined the team so they could go to the playoff and win a national championship. I'm not sure that was the expectation to begin with. It is really unfortunate that they can't play a bowl game. They can't go to the playoff if they were to qualify. Uh, but, I mean, they'll still have the whole season. He'll still have, you know, the whole season slate of games to, to show off his abilities and potentially, you know, uh, get a chance at the next level or whatever it may be that he's seeking. But, um I'm not sure that it was. It's you know, it's worth just jumping ship right now. I'm sure he feels pretty um, attached to the program at this point. Um, so I don't know. I understand his decision to stay. I think I would also probably understand his decision to leave, though. But I, mm -hmm. I really respect him for wanting to stay and and uh, do something that he committed to do. Yeah, I absolutely. If he said that he's going to look at other options at this point, I absolutely would not fault him for that because um, if you only have one year left and the team you go to it gets announced that they can't play in any postseason games. You're thinking, well, that's the, that's the goal is to mm -hmm. win as many games as possible and hopefully 
play for an SEC championship and then whatever else comes after that. But um, the word from his camp was something along the lines of he'll have 12 games to show what he's got and leave it on the field, and they're just going to try to win all 12 games. That's Mm -hmm. the most they can do. Yeah, so that I mean that's a legitimate concern. That was definitely the first thing I thought of as well. Um, <clears throat> I didn't know at the time when I first heard it if he would be able to leave or not. I thought that it might be too late in the game, but obviously that's not the case. So yeah, I'm pretty sure the NCAA would do whatever needs to be done to let any of the seniors mm-hmm. find a new place and play right away. Yeah. So let's uh, let's react a little bit to to these punishments. Uh, and I guess first I don't know if we really talked about what actually happened but basically there was a tutor who provided impermissible benefits for some of these players uh completed some tests maybe i apparently even one football player had an entire course completed by this tutor an online class that she basically just did everything Mm -hmm. um she took a couple placement exams in a math class for some students and this store this all broke in 2016 Mm -hmm. um she came forward with it as a whistleblower um that she, it, I don't think she was caught necessarily. It was that she all of a sudden felt bad about what she was doing and came forward with this information. I think it was also a money grab because she, she has publicly stated on Twitter uh, that she's poor and need, and owes money to Mizzou and is desperate. Yeah, she actually, the, the tweet that you're talking about, she comes out and says that she's needing her transcript so that she can go to graduate school, but the university won't give her her uh, an official copy of her transcript because she owes like $3,100. And she said, will, she said she would sell the list of and like people that she cheated for. Uh, she would it's sell the like names. Desperate times or something like that at the end yeah. of it. So, so this was this... a little bit after the, the news all broke. And I could see, I mean, she talks about in some interviews and stuff, having a really hard time in Columbia after this happened because her name was everywhere and people wouldn't hire her and things like that, which is understandable that, that she is legitimately going through some struggles after this. And I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt that she's doing this because she felt terrible and thinks, you know, she needs to do something right and try to improve a situation. But the way she went about it is suspect at best and or misguided at best. And she's just taken the whole ship down with her, basically. And um, it seems like, like you said, there's so much to talk about with this. Um, Missouri, on on their part, they investigated on their own at the beginning, decided, yes, these things did happen. Um, Some of them not quite as she stated, but for the most part, what she was saying was the truth. And they basically said, yes, these things happen. NCAA, we will work with you. We will tell you where we messed up and hopefully work through this together. And then I'm sure Mizzou was thinking if we're open and honest about all of this, they won't go too hard on us. But this, that, the opposite is what happened. I mean, it's not bias that every news article is saying, the NCAA hammered Mizzou. You know, they came down hard. This is huge sanctions. So, yeah, that's definitely been a key piece that's just doesn't make any sense is how cooperative they were. They're literally coming out and saying, yes, we did this. Uh, there were there were sanctions. There were violations that happened uh, and we'll cooperate in, in whatever inf- information you need to find out, uh, which I feel like probably doesn't happen a whole lot whenever the NCAA starts to investigate 
in, you know, institutions, there's probably not a whole lot of cooperation that happens. Well, well we saw that with um, North Carolina. Um, there was a whistleblower that said a bunch of classes, like full classes that were part of the academic catalog were bogus mm-hmm. to help athletes graduate. For like many years. <laughs> yeah. The, I, I think I saw 18 years yes. this had been happening mm-hmm. in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, there was something about the fact that any student could take the class, any student could sign up for the class, so it wasn't just an athletics thing. So they kind of got off a little bit on that. But the big thing was North Carolina said, we didn't do anything wrong. You're wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. Get out of here, NCAA. Mm-hmm. And that was basically it. Yeah, that was just a couple of years ago. That was actually one of the first things that came to my mind whenever uh, seeing some of these sanctions today was that North Carolina had a very similar uh, dealing with, you know, um, education-based violations. Yeah, academic yes, and integrity ha- and issues. And literally, I think they had like a year of probation or something exactly. like that. Exactly, one year of probation. And, uh, and yeah, the, the difference between that uh, case in this case is they literally just stood by their fake classes yeah. for, that they had for the last 18 years. Uh, so I guess it's better to do, you know, your own fake work than to have someone else do your real work, I guess. But um, so, I mean, that that's literally become now the narrative of this entire case is if you cooperate, you'll have you'll get the hammer. And if you just deny, 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 you'll get right out of it. And because that's exactly what's happened in similar cases. Yeah. So the, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch um, posted online a nice Q&A with, uh, let me get his name here, David Roberts, who is the NCAA Committee on Infractions Chief Hearing Officer. So he was very involved in this in the decision of the punishments. And um, the Post-Dispatch asked him, Quote, if I'm reading it right, North Carolina stood by what it said and Missouri admitted violations. Had Missouri not cooperated or believed they had no culpability for this, are they being penalized because they agreed with the findings prior to your ruling? He says uh, multiple times in this that he's not going to compare cases. I wouldn't want to if I was him either. Um, He says, but you have certainly identified a significant issue in this case. And when a member institution comes forward and self-reports a violation and agrees to the classification of severe or level one, there are consequences that happen. Um, He says, Missouri did the right thing and self-reported. It acknowledged responsibility. And so because they agreed, this is me talking now, not quoting anybody, but because they agreed that it was a level one infraction, that basically came with minimum punishments if you compare that to like a crime but uh, the post-dispatch goes on and says if the penalties were so stiff after cooperating and self-reporting and telling the truth does this not incentivize future cases and future schools to cooperate and tell the truth that's worded a little bit weird but that's what it says Um, robert says one can certainly make that argument uh, the, con- the converse would be that hopefully more institutions would accept this responsibility as Missouri did. Nobody likes to receive penalties, but hopefully that would deter future behavior. He says, I don't want to speculate, but if a school fails to report and conceals and conceals and doesn't tell the truth or did something to otherwise inhibit or hinder the process, then under the mitigating factors, the penalties would be more severe, severe than in this case. 
which, is, which doesn't line up at all with what happened in North Carolina. It's pretty like shocking response, honestly, at this point. It's just saying like, yeah, they self-reported, and it sure looks like uh, you get a lot of penalty if you self-report and you cooperate. Um, like I, he's like, I basically can understand where you get that narrative, and I can't yeah. really say anything about it. Exactly. So, uh, and another uh, kind of interesting point from that interview, uh, a different part of that interview was that uh, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure he confirmed that Yolanda was not instructed by the university to do the things she did. There was no evidence support to to support. I think she made the claim that there there was yes. Uh, pressure from the university to exactly. make her do these things but they that found it was part of the they found no evidence yeah. between her and the university in these actions so she acted on, on, her, own. on her own as like a rogue employee yes he confirms that in this post dispatch yeah. article so it's just continually like just things that don't make sense strange evidence that clearly sets missouri and this tutor apart and just these these sanctions are just severe mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know. I, I, Another thing that doesn't make sense to me is during the whole process, she mentioned, like two years ago when all this came out, she mentioned basketball players as well. No mention of the basketball team anywhere on here. And you'd think with the fact that the basketball team was just just had sanctions for some uh, bogus internship a few years ago, you'd think the NCAA would be – I mean, they were just on probation in 2017. So mm-hmm. you'd think that they would want to be all over that. But – it doesn't I have seen no explanation as to why there's no mention of the basketball team in any of this when her initial reports named the basketball named she didn't come out with names but she said specifically that there were basketball players involved in this Mm -hmm. yeah so it's so frustrating just to to know that the the current players are the ones that are being penalized for this the people that are currently at missouri barry odom had nothing to do with these things yeah jim, barry odom wasn't jim the coach that wasn't the coach wasn't the coach <laughs> uh jim stirk <laughs> like one of the first things he did when he got here was disassociate themselves from this tutor yeah and uh and suspended her so literally everyone that's currently at missouri has nothing to do with what happened but they are the ones that are going to take the fall they're the ones that are going to take the penalty the incoming freshmen who were like in middle school like when you know this thing happened or you know early high school when, when some of this happened right are going to face penalties for it right and it's literally everyone except the people that were involved that are being punished it's it's like i said everyone that's currently there it's even the fans you know I, yeah we're being punished for you know but she doesn't get things. the tutor anymore that's oh, important true. that is very important that's, that's so, important to know so literally the people it's her and the people that that had her do their classes and stuff are just like walking free right now and yeah. it's the people that let, that came behind them are now taking the fall for their actions and i don't really have any great solutions for how you should penalize Missouri instead, but it's just absurd. Well, uh, Jim Sterk was also uh, talking to some of the media just a few hours ago, and he said that they asked him what kind of sanctions he was expecting uh, when the announcement was made, and he said uh, probation for sure made sense, and he was expecting um, at most, like a scholarship reduction or something like that, but never imagined a postseason ban or anything to do with recruiting because um, I think Dave Matter pointed out that it may have been Gabe Diarman, but one of them tweeted that they asked him about like why they assumed that recruiting violations were the only things that could garner recruiting sanctions. Mm-hmm. And he was like, 
yeah, good. I don't know. It doesn't make sense, yeah, but that's what that happened. That was definitely something that I wrote down as well. Is but his response, I thought Jim Sterk's response was amazing. Yeah. And he just basically came out and said, we're going to fight this yeah. incredibly as hard as we can. I love and that the leadership of Missouri has mm-hmm. been as fired up about this as everyone else has. If this had happened five years ago... It's like Mac it, Rhodes or something. I, I mean, or before him with Ald- Alden, I think it could have been much, much worse. I don't know how... It's yet to be seen how Missouri will exactly respond um, in the long term, but Jim Sterk has every intention of winning this appeal, and they've. I saw on Twitter that they've hired an, some outside counsel to sort of guide them through this process mm-hmm. and help them, and I think with how awful the NCAA is at doing anything, <laughs> I think... When a, when Missouri has their back up against the wall like they do now, I mean, it can't get any worse than this. So they're going to just go all hands on deck and just fight as hard as they can yeah. in this appeal process. I mean, they're going to have books of evidence and precedent showing how this this decision doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a great feeling about this appeal um, just because... It's going to go to another arm of the NCAA, I'm assuming, right. in some kind of appellate panel or yep. something. Um, I just like hope that whoever is hearing this case is not completely void of all reason. Like It seems like the people in you know making this original decisions on these sanctions, just literally no validity at all for, for the severity of these punishments. And, and just, everybody is just slamming the everyone. NCAA. There's literally no one that's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't know, I feel like this is pretty just. I've literally I mean, you can seen, probably find some replies. I've but. literally seen Kansas fans <laughs> saying, like, I hate Mizzou, but this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, uh, so many national writers who obviously unbiased opinions who are chiming in, just saying how unfair this is for, you know, the current players like we talked about, talking about the severity and the just the inconsistency of the decision making on this kind of stuff by the NCAA. Just literally everyone is completely blindsided and it makes no sense. One response in particular that I thought was kind of funny was Kentrell Brothers. Did you see his tweet? Mm-hmm. He said um, something to the effect of, this doesn't really make sense. She was my tutor and hardly helped me at all. Literally had to switch tutors. <laughs> <laughs> so he's thinking, yeah. like, where was my help? Exactly. <laughs> um Another interesting just thought I had on on one of these sanctions was uh, a fine of five thousand dollars plus one percent of each of football, baseball, and softball budgets. Mm-hmm. So where's this money going? Is this I don't is know. this money going to like to the salaries of the people who decided upon surely these not. sanctions? Like it seems I, awfully it's uh, like with, corrupt, but surely wouldn't surprise it's like me. with. Um, the pro sports leagues when they find somebody, it goes to like a charity of some sort. Surely. I'm just going to assume it goes to a charity. I hope so, at least. I mean... Yeah, we'll throw in an extra $5,000 and a 1% of the budget so yeah. we can make some money from this. <laughs> the the thing that... I mean, the scholarship reduction, that hurts so bad. Yeah. I mean... This, this whole thing, honestly, is can really mess up a program's yeah. momentum and just f- from all of these things the recruiting vi- uh, you know restrictions on recruiting and uh scholarship reductions and postseason bans i mean i can so easily i mean w- my initial reaction is well i'm how am i going to be interested in the season if there's nothing to look forward to we just know that no matter how good we are there's no postseason yeah, if, you're, if you're competing for the sec east next year exactly so and why do i want to show up to games 
You know, why do I want to go watch a team that I know is just, there's there's no point to the season? So all of these things are can be completely debilitating to a program. And I don't know. I feel like as Missouri fans, we really need to just like band together and just be like, you know what? We're going to support these guys because this team had nothing to do with this. Right. The coach Let's, didn't. The coach had nothing to do with this. It's yeah. completely unjust. Let's fight the NCAA the best we can. What's the best revenge? Is we go, right. we win a bunch of games? Somebody I don't know. Somebody said one time reconcile by winning. I, <laughs> so, I mean, maybe, maybe go with that. Yeah, I don't know. But nothing seems super sweet, honestly, because no. there's nothing that can. I mean, I guess if they go 12-0, and 0, that would be. That would be pretty nice. That would be but pretty then... nice, but it would also make me sick because yeah. we would normally be going to the playoff. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just there's no good thing about any of this. Um, but at the very least, let's, you know, let's get together. Let's, let's, yeah, let's think, band together behind this team and support them. I think when we see them. Coach Odom's reaction, um, he'll, he'll get the players fired up. I mean, they've had really bad starts to seasons and then finished well just because it seems like they buy into what he's – all about so i don't think that'll change yeah he seems and like a great motivator for sure so when he does that and they stick with him like we hope they will i think it'll be game to game the most of the fans won't be thinking about the fact that there's a postseason ban coming it'll be those last couple games or if we're in contention for something mm-hmm. where it'll be kind of it'll be there coming back into the but, forefront yeah I don't know. It's been it's been a uh, stressful day, and it's been unfortunate to just witness some of the stuff. And I know there's a lot of the Mizzou is cursed kind of talk. And at this <laughs> point, I don't think I can disagree with you. It's just insane the kind of the, some of the stuff that's happened. But uh, we must press on. Yeah. <laughs> and this appeal stuff is not gonna is not gonna shore up quickly. It's gonna right. it's It'll gonna drag linger out. for a long yeah. time and. Uh, I really hope, like you said, that there's so much evidence um, that, you know, that we have a legitimate argument for the, and at this point, I mean, we we knew we did something wrong. We can't, we're not going for the argument that, hey, we we did nothing wrong. We're going for the argument that these are the sanctions that we did. And but the but the punishment is completely unjust right. and is inconsistent yeah. with what has happened. Yeah, this, this sort of thing doesn't, this one rogue tutor and the NCAA has admitted that there's no conspiracy uh, amongst tutors or amongst advisors with the players to get to cheat to pass classes. This was one rogue tutor, and sanctions like this will not stop that from happening. I mean, if if this is the case, if if a program can be punished like this with no actual, without them actually causing you know, wrongful behavior, then what's to stop a Mizzou booster for grow, going over to Georgia and talking to a tutor and paying them exactly. to cheat or something? I mean, this seems like crazy conspiracy theory, but just go with me here. They, uh, The Missouri Sports Podcast travels down to Arkansas and pays an Arkansas tutor okay. to cheat and then blow the whistle on themselves. We didn't do this, by the way. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Cheat, blow the whistle on yourself. Boom. Yeah. Arkansas didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But now they, Arkansas they got, got a postseason ban, and they've got the freaking death penalty yeah. over almost, you know, over 
potentially yeah, find, some people find somebody who, that's on probation and do it to them. We just had some ill Now will. we're really talking. Exactly. No, I, I mean, I don't think that happened, but I definitely don't think that it's insane to suggest that that could, ha- that could happen right. somewhere. It's been that easy for this one person to completely take all of the Mizzou athletic department down with her. And, and literally somebody could do it. I, I'm not suggesting that this person did it on purpose. I'm going to take her at her word for it that she was just trying to help kids pass classes and then felt bad about it. But literally somebody could do it on purpose to undermine a program yeah. if they, I don't know. I don't, been, I don't know. It's been that easy. No, you're I mean, exactly if, right. If the coach, if somebody in the coaching staff or something of a, a program did something to make this person mad or, you know, for some reason they had a grudge to hold against the athletic department, just cheat on purpose, document it the whole time, and boom, you're taking them down. Yep. I'm sure you could catch a lot of people in the act <laughs> over this whole country if you yeah. if you did that. It's ridiculous. But I don't know. I feel like we could talk about it for two hours if we wanted to. Yep. But I guess we just got to wait for the appeal. Yep. Jim Sturck seems determined, so... Mm-hmm. I kind of, I, maybe I feel a little bit better about it than you do. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just I don't have faith in in the NCAA employees having reason. And yeah. until I see it, I don't know that I can I can trust that there are those people in that organization. So it, especially whenever you see some of our our friend, oh, not friends, but our uh, or some of those people to the to the west, you know, <laughs> literally paying players and nothing's happened yet. Yeah. I I still hope there's something in the works for you know some of these other uh, other schools that are seemingly covering up serious serious things, right? But and, and seem to just go free, but uh, and while we get the death penalty over here for nothing. Yeah, it's so. the consistency of it, everything that I think that is the most frustrating. Is that all? You think you got it off your chest well enough for now? I think so. <laughs> we will, of course, update you if there's any further news on this. Um, I actually did have one other piece of news, but it seems kind of irrelevant now because it's about a high schooler potentially moving. Um, Malik Carr, uh, who is the son of Mizzou basketball assistant coach uh, Cornell Mann, was, he tweeted that he was moving to Missouri. And got a bunch of retweets and stuff. He didn't seem too happy about it, though. And I was looking through my Twitter to compile some news, and I noticed that his tweet was deleted. So I did a little digging, and it turns out he's staying in Michigan, not moving to Missouri. He's very happy about that. He said he was begging to not move. So I don't know what's going on there, but it was kind of interesting that he might have been coming to Missouri and enrolling in a Columbia high school, but that's not happening. It doesn't sound like he wants to come to Missouri University either, or University of Missouri either. I apologize. <laughs> Mizzou University. <laughs> I'm committed to the Mizzou University College. of Mizzou. So that didn't really feel like news after all of that nonsense, but I thought I'd just mention it. Thanks, Malik. <laughs> we like it here. So moving on, the good news keeps coming because we're going to talk about Missouri's overtime loss to LSU. Do you remember this one, Kyle? <laughs> Have you scrubbed it from your brain yet? Oh man, we literally are going to talk about two like all timers of just insanity in the same podcast. With obviously the news breaking today and this LSU game, like just classic Mizzou moments, like <laughs> happened within just a few days of, of one another. So everybody already has probably moved on from this LSU game, but 
I just wanted to mention a few things. This was going to be a marquee win for Missouri. And as this game was being played out, I actually, I texted you, Kyle, at one point, and I said, like, this is this is the type of game where Missouri's going to mess around and make it close and then, like, make you, me interested. You the texted, first time, yes. I was like, they're, they're, they're doing something here. They're going to make it close and then lose. Like, why, why do they have to do this to me? Then at one another later point, I said, now we've crossed the line where if they lose this game, I'm gonna be de- it's gonna destroy me. Yeah, and it honestly was not that close at the end. It was probably like seven or eight minutes to go. Yeah. They had like a 15-ish point lead, and they looked completely in control. LSU's offense was not really looking. Missouri was executing their game plan yeah. incredibly. They well. looked great, and I agreed with you. Like I was like, I don't know how they could possibly lose this game at this late, but yeah. I agree that if somehow they lost, this would be backbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, there's still like eight minutes left in the game, but I felt like Missouri, Completely they, they jumped out at the beginning of the second half. Uh, I love the way, I said before, I love the way Ken Palm breaks it down into quarters, but if you look at quarter number three, so the first 10 minutes of the second half, Missouri outscored them by 10, and that continued even into the last 10 minutes, but uh, then <laughs> we came to the final two minutes and 14 seconds of regulation. <laughs> I just want to I want to take you through this a little bit. Okay, please tell me what happened. Um they go up by 14. So Ronnie Suggs makes a free throw. And I do want to note here, Ronnie Suggs was put to the free throw line after he was trapped and kind of wiggled his way out of it and they called a foul. So that's the first time they do that. The the they being the officials. I just want you to remember that they called a foul on the trap and there was a little bit of contact sent Ronnie Suggs to the free throw line. So you're suggesting that it may, may not have been a foul. It maybe, maybe not, but they okay. decided then the first time there was a little bit of contact they on were the trap, call it they, close. they called it like that. Okay. And I was for that. That helps Missouri. Sure. I don't like it when they swallow their whistles just because a team is fighting to come back. You know, I <laughs> producer Cameron, Missouri, yes. Missouri got blue shelled in this game. Yeah. They were so far ahead that LSU just got excellent items after excellent items through a blue shell, through a red shell, and another red shell to get back in this game. That's it's like when the computer lets the losing person get away with stuff or have extra perks to get back into the game. This is a Mario Kart reference, by the way. <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So Suggs makes the free throw. Missouri goes up by 14. He makes one of two, I should say. Uh, Skyler Mays comes down the court and hits a three. No big deal. Missouri's still up by 11. Missouri, as much as we like to talk about their struggles breaking the press, they break the press. But then Javon Pickett makes the worst his worst play of the game and throws a terrible pass to Kevin Perrier. It gets stolen. Skyler Mays again on the fast break gets a layup and the foul and i have to mention here this blocking foul on suggs is it is called a charge from time to time and there was actually a play in the auburn game where a missouri player actually i think auburn was called for a charge in a play just like this where the defender is backing straight up obviously moving the entire time but backing up in a straight line and the offensive player just runs him over 
not a big deal. It's called a block, probably more than it's called a charge, but it is sometimes called a charge. So he makes the free throw for the three-point play. Missouri's up eight. Then Geist is trapped in the corner and turns it over. This takes me back to that Suggs getting the foul call because it's the same exact situation. He gets trapped. There's a little bit of contact, way more contact than the Suggs foul. But now the game's close, <laughs> and the refs don't want to <laughs> impact the game. They don't? Really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's evidence to suggest otherwise later. But uh, they don't call a foul. Geis loses the ball. Mays hits another three. And then the lead is only five for Missouri. So Skyler Mays by himself goes on a 9-0 run in about 40 seconds to cut the lead to five. And then at that point, there's like a minute 30 left. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... I still felt like at this point, we're going to win. Like yeah, all we I, have to do is I just inbound too, the ball a few times. But at the same time... But I'm still panicking. In, in an in a average Mizzou game, if you have a five-point lead with a minute and a half left, that's nothing. True. Like... It's like, surely they're not going to just keep scoring here, <laughs> like making every three possible. So the very next possession, Geist gets trapped again about the half-court line or so and draws the foul. This one kind of sent me over the edge because they had gone literally gone back and forth now on this trap foul call. Very little contact on Suggs. He gets the foul call. More contact on Geist the first time, no call. Then Geist gets trapped again and they call the foul. And if you watch all three of those back to back to back, it's virtually the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? And they could not call a foul on any of them, honestly, because the offensive player is just kind of wiggling around and there's a little bit of contact, but whatever. They call the foul, Geist hits one of his two free throws, that's big. Missouri's only up by six. Tremont Waters comes down, makes a three, it's a three point game. <laughs> Uh, Missouri breaks the press again. For some reason, Ronnie Suggs ends up with the ball at the end of the shot clock. He tries to drive, loses the ball. That could have been a blocking foul easily. I, Once again, I get that it isn't always a blocking foul, but it could have been. So it's just every little thing adding up now. Yes, it's like every possible thing that can go wrong is happening. Yeah. And you, can, you just know that there's panic within all the players oh, yeah. now. But oh, they're yeah. just like... Well, Frick, we know everything's going to go wrong now. They, You know they can feel it. You can see it oh, in their eyes. Absolutely. Just the way they're, just the way they're dribbling, language. the way they're passing, it just screams panic this yes. whole time. Like, w- like we're going to lose this. You, yeah. can, you can see them. So loses the ball, but it's actually not that big of a deal because Mays misses a three. Mizzou gets the rebound, but the ref at the half-court line calls a loose ball foul on Jeremiah Tillman. When another ref, this this foul in quotes, occurred directly under the basket, there was a ref standing under the basket out of bounds on the baseline that didn't call it. One hundred percent, Nas Reed flopped. They they were both kind of butt to butt, trying to block each other out, and Reed just jumps up as he's getting blocked out, and we see this from time to time that if a player just jumps while they're getting blocked out, they're going to move. Mm-hmm. And then if you just fall to the ground, there's a chance you might get the foul call. Yeah, I believe Grant, call. Grant Williams did that in a Colosa game exactly. a couple weeks ago, exactly. if you recall. Yeah, that was an awful call and was not even the worst call <laughs> of the next, like, 30 seconds. Exactly. So, I, but if you're a read there, 
why not do that? You're going to do that 100% of right. the time. Yeah. Oh, just fall down. Yeah. Might and well. see what happens. Especially around Tillman. Exactly. So, and he's a good free throw shooter. He goes to the line, makes two free throws. Missouri is now only up one. Mizzou runs the clock out on their next possession. And I actually called this. So, first of all, I should say, when they were up 14 with two, when they made the free throw to go up 14, I literally fist pumped in the air and high fived my wife who was sitting next to me on the couch and said, this is a huge win. So <laughs> I, I feel terrible. I think it's my fault. I wow. almost need like footage of that, even though I'm still really sad about it. <laughs> it's really, really sad, but I kind of funny. And then the announcer goes, oh, there's still time. And I said, no, there's not. <laughs> I literally said it out loud. No, there's not. <laughs> they got this. Dang it, Cameron. <laughs> it is your fault. So... You just like reenacted like a, a curse like back onto Mizzou. Like we had been doing pretty good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So on this last possession when they're running the clock out, I literally said to my wife, Geist is going to pull up for a three. When they're bringing the ball down the court, I said he's going to pull up for a three. That's exactly what happened. It was not in rhythm or anything. He missed. Dremont Waters comes down with the ball and they just run it out. They just play it out and he misses a layup. It looks like Missouri's going to get the rebound. At worst, it's going to be out of bounds off of LSU. But Ronnie Suggs is called for a loose ball foul. <laughs> I can't believe I'm laughing at this. Like, I'm just, like, delirious at this point. Like, what are you thinking? This ref, what are you thinking? You only call a foul in this situation if it is the most egregious thing you have ever seen in your life. There is no way you could misinterpret Especially it. Especially when you're talking about a loose ball foul. What are you thinking? How can you possibly make this call? And it's literally just Suggs jumping straight up in the air for a rebound. You put you put a Kansas, you put a KU University, Jayhawk University jersey <laughs> on Ronnie Suggs. And I will go to my death saying he did not commit a foul. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. I, I don't care who that is. The Jayhawk's not even a real bird, and I agree with you. Exactly. <laughs> Got freaking buckles on his shoes, yeah. for crying out loud. <laughs> and it's still not a foul. <laughs> got buckled shoes on a fake bird anyway <laughs> no seriously it is the, it is the most insane cap, like foul i've ever seen in my producer life producer cameron i showed you the video oh yeah the guy Egregious. just literally jumps right on him and rides him to the ground and he gets called for the foul and i saw in the people, most important part of the whole game and i saw people who i respect mentioning the fact that the foul was probably had to do with Suggs getting tangled in the arm of um emmett williams However, the whistle is blowing before you could ever parse out that what is happening there. So the, he blows the whistle just at the initial contact. Plus, he's got position on him. Exactly. I don't care if your arm gets tangled. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. He's got position on yeah, him. Yeah, so once yeah. this game went to overtime, I knew it was over. I knew it was completely You're jumping over. ahead of me, Kyle. Emmett Williams goes to the free throw line, misses the first one, makes the second one to tie it at 71. But our three-quarter court shot gets blocked, and we go to overtime. You think the Saints-Rams ref uh, doesn't blow the whistle there? <laughs> the the Saints-Rams ref would never in a million years blow the whistle there. You think this ref blows the whistle in the Saints-Rams game? Yes. Three times. He blows <laughs> three it times. On one Before play. it happens. Yes. Yeah. And, th and this, uh, this was the same ref 
on this uh on both yeah of those terrible calls at the end yeah oh weird yeah this game messed me up man like i know that Missouri's not that good this year. I know they're not going to the NCAA tournament, even if they win this game. They've got a really freaking long season ahead of them, and they're going to probably lose a lot more games. But, like, I just, like, it makes me so mad when, I mean, they blew the game. I mean, they let LSU get back in it. I mean, LSU was amazing in the last few minutes of this game. Yeah, LSU did everything. They did everything everything they possibly could. Including flopping at the right time. Exactly. But, I mean, you can't say that. These calls didn't completely ruin Missouri's chances of winning this game. Like when it got down to it, it completely screwed us. And, and anytime, did anytime we're talking the about the officials like this, obviously, there's always something Missouri could have done to make these calls not matter. Probably Geist and Suggs both making both of their free throws, and it probably doesn't even matter. Um, you know, just Geist not getting trapped in the corner, even though I would argue that it was a foul, it was questionable. Him not getting stuck in the corner in the trap is huge. Mm-hmm. Javon Pickett not throwing the ball away when he's trying to get it to Perrier is huge. Yeah. But you still have to realize, like when a team is fighting like LSU was there at the end and making shots. And getting all the calls. <laughs> yeah. Of course they're going to come back. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was ridiculous. And... There's not very many games where I've felt just completely robbed, uh, but this was one of them. And then I remember last year when Florida came to to Columbia was one that messed me up mm-hmm. for a while too. Me too. So it's this the type was... of game where when it's over, you just like I just at least for myself, I don't know what to do. I just sit there in I just, silence. That's what I did for about thirty <laughs> minutes at the at least. I just sat there for like thirty minutes and didn't say anything. I, I think I just put my headphones on and like laid down on the couch and just yeah. just didn't do anything. Yeah, I think my uh, wife is getting like tired of me like having these like tantrums or whatever. Be- I think it, the Mizzou's like ruining my marriage because I like have mental health issues. The bald ref. The bald ref ruined Kyle's marriage. <laughs> I have. I need to be checked into like a in- mental health institution after all the things I've witnessed. It's like awful. Mizzou related. Yeah, I just like. I don't know. It's awful. And it, but the exact same thing happened at uh, against Florida last year. I just like sat there. Oh yeah, just, and that was the same day that the Chiefs lost in the playoffs to the Titans yeah, last and that year. Ridiculous comeback. Yes. Well, that was just like this is like a freaking terrible day. Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> yeah, I remember we we got together. Uh, with some friends and ate some chicken wings afterwards. Yeah, that was about the only thing that could make me feel any better. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. man, I'm starting to question why I like sports because this happens every time. I mean, mean, we talk about like the Kentucky football game where you're just like, why? Like, why? Why am I letting this happen to my psyche? I don't know, but it seems like we've had a lot of these moments in the last 12 months or so. Mm -hmm. And what? And what differs, like, that Kentucky game was awful from start to finish. I would never want to watch that in a million years. This yeah. LSU game was so fun mm-hmm. when Missouri was building their lead and just executing so well without Mark Smith. I mean, LSU's yeah. a five-point favorite at Mizzou Arena before they even announced that Mark Smith's not going to play. LSU's favored to win on the road. And for Missouri to do what they did the first, you know, whatever... 37 minutes of the game. They're a really good team. They're on a nine-game, maybe 10-game win streak right now. They're, like, 
undefeated in conference last I like checked. 20th-ish in Ken Palm. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, I think there's some tiers in the SEC. I think Tennessee is on a tier of their own, but I'd put LSU and Kentucky right there in yeah. that second tier. I mean, LSU is, is good enough to beat Tennessee. Right. Um, and they're probably, them and Kentucky both, they potentially have a shot to overtake, you know, Tennessee uh, for the SEC standings. I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but I really think they're that good. Yeah. So seeing this win slip away was just all kinds of awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a couple things of note. Jeremiah Tillman played 35 minutes in this one. Career Obviously high. aided by the overtime, but he was out there. He was contributing. He was, I don't know, he played really well. I mean... 15 points he was efficient I mean when they got him the ball down low he just went to work and didn't let the questionable officiating get to him whatsoever Ronnie Suggs played 29 minutes um obviously some of that was due to the fact that Mark Smith wasn't playing but Conzo really likes what he sees in Ronnie Suggs apparently Ronnie I mean, he, Suggs is a walk-on correct yeah, yeah, he is absolutely. not, not on he scholarship. is not on scholarship for this basketball team in right. I don't know. I tweeted something after the game, like you got to feel for him because he's playing his heart out for free. Yeah. He's playing almost thirty minutes against, you know, a top fifteen team in the country, and I thought he had some good moments. You know, for some for a, a walk on player, he had some good moments, and he got completely screwed at the end of this game. Yeah, and he probably feels terrible. Oh man, just watching him that he so he fouled out on that yeah. um, rebounding foul. And watching him walk to the bench, and yeah. he looked like he was on the verge of tears, and I would have been. I mean, in that spot, when you feel like, in his mind, he's grabbing, he's going for that ball to end the game. And for it to go so backwards there, yeah. he has to just feel awful Honestly, walking to like the bench. Honestly, he, he would have won the game if he just secures that rebound and is or, not called for a foul. Or draw the foul or wh- whatever. Whatever it is. He's keeping the LSU defender away by block. He didn't block him out per se, but he had position on him. Yeah. The LSU was not, the LSU de- defender was not going to get the ball. Yeah. Because he would have had to go through Ronnie Suggs. He did a little bit. But. Right. So I had a couple of responses that were like, no, Mizzou blew this and they're whatever. So I, I don't know. I mean, I do agree that blew, Mizzou blew it, but sure. Ronnie is not to, to be blamed here with no. the, the circumstances at hand or yeah, he, he did not have a good offensive game. I mean, the announcers were, like, taking bets, I think, in the booth about when he was going to make his first shot. They were pulling for him. I was, obviously, too. But, yeah, off his game is not – he's not bringing a lot offensively, and we know that. So it is it is a struggle sometimes. We've talked about it before when you see Ronnie Suggs out there with K.J. Santos, who isn't showing a lot, but he stepped up in this game. I mean, he, would, he was pulling bigs out to the three-point line and driving right past them for not quite layups but yeah i haven't given up on santos yet i, th- I think he could still be a, a serviceable player um, oh, yeah. in his time at mizzou he still has like over two years of playing time left exactly um if you want to uh if you want to be down on anybody it was really easy to find a scapegoat in this one because torrence watson who started in place of mark smith and Kevin Perrier combined for two points in 42 minutes on the floor. Which How many turnovers? Um, I'd have to look. They combined for just three. Oh, okay. 
but they just a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, Torrance Watson had a um, offensive rating of zero, and Kevin Perrier was the second lowest on the team in offensive rating. It's just, I don't know. It is really frustrating when you just need anything from those guys and yeah. you just get nothing. It was a pretty key moment when Pinson fouled out too. Cause Absolutely. I mean, that, was that was literally right ball, before this. Another ball handler that yeah. we didn't have. Literally just completely shouldered on Geist. Yeah. Too. He's the only one that you can tell is comfortable at all with the ball in his hands in, in and these LSU, moments. And LSU had broken out that like half-court trapping press earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. And Pinson and Geist just... Navigated right through the ball it. up the court yep. every time, no problem. I mean, they may yeah. have had a couple issues, but it was nothing. It mm-hmm. looked like they were totally fine. So yeah. LSU so abandoned that. No Penson, no Mark Smith. It's all on Geist. Exactly. Um, and it's frustrating to watch when a guy, anybody but Geist has the ball. They're, they're just, just standing there. Out. They're just standing there like, I need to pass this ball to somebody now. Mm-hmm. And I can relate. <laughs> if I <laughs> if I'm playing five on five, I don't like bringing the ball down either. Not not in a pressure situation. <laughs> exactly. <definitely not. laughs> but <clears throat> so I was just yelling at the t- TV sometimes. Get up the floor. I'm sure a lot of fans in in person were yelling that too. Yes, that was uh, one for the ages in a bad way. Yeah. I- I'm definitely. I've been ready to move on. I from can't it. imagine how bad that game would have hurt if this season maybe meant more if like i don't maybe even last year when we were fighting when we were on the bubble where every game like mattered so much well that was one of the things about the florida game it was pretty early in the conference season so it didn't you didn't know exactly how big it was but that that probably moves missouri up a seed line every win yeah seriously can it can impact your seed it can impact your seed in the sec tournament because some of the, the middle pack, middle of the pack of the of the conference is so, just yeah, I don't know, wishy washy. Yeah, and exactly. Just anything can happen. Exactly, there. one game can can move you up three or four spots in the conference. So. Exactly. Well, anyway, <laughs> I, I it was one of those where I literally would find myself just shaking my head yeah, just to like myself. No, no words at for this like point. Twenty four hours afterwards, it no just words except we just talked about it for like half an hour. <laughs> It, it always feels good. I'm glad you're here with me, Kyle, to just get all the thoughts out there. They've been just, simmering inside me yep, for Just let it all out and days. then allow me to really move past it. Unfortunately, we're moving past it to, to Auburn, a, Alabama for a massacre that took place. This is a game i got to be honest, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on. No. <laughs> I don't have um, much to say about this. I will say Missouri looked decent in the first half. They... Auburn just didn't show up to play, really. Um, and it looked like, hey, Missouri's going to make a game of this. Um, Mark Smith was still out, so we did get a new starting lineup. I want to get your thoughts on it. Jordan Geist, Xavier Pinson, Javon Pickett, KJ Santos, Jeremiah Tillman were the starting five. I like it, um, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I, no uh, disrespect, but there's no Kevin Purr here. Um, Torrance Watson... I mean, he's played better, uh, you know, as of late, but... Yeah, he actually had a good uh, first half off the bench against Auburn. Yeah, I do feel like this is, without Mark Smith, probably the best five you can put on the floor right now. Um, so. but it, and it's good to see Conzo, like, rewarding Penson and Santos for what they showed against LSU. Because yeah. Santos decided he's... I, 
it looked like he was thinking to himself, I got to find a way to contribute something offensively. And he figured something out. He was bringing the big out and driving past him. Yeah, he's got a unique skill set. He must realize that there are things I can bring to this team and I got to start doing it. Mm -hmm. So its team needs me to bring those things. Putting Pinson out there, I mean, obviously you got to think that's going to help with some ball handling issues against an Auburn team that likes to press and turn you over. Um, One thing that I thought was interesting was Mizzou was plus eight in rebounds in the first half and minus nine in the second half. So just, it was, the first half was kind of fun to watch, but then after halftime, I guess Bruce Pearl gave Auburn a really nice pep talk because they just they just steamrolled <laughs> Somebody Missouri figured in the second something half. Out. I just realized this that Auburn in the second half scored as many the exact amount of points that Missouri scored in the whole game. Yeah. Fifty eight points in the second half. That's yeah. how many Missouri scored in the whole game. Yeah. That's it's insane. insane. <laughs> Fifty eight points and a half. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. So Auburn wins that ninety two to fifty eight. They didn't even need the first half. <laughs> uh, if 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 Auburn says, you know what, Missouri, at half, half, coming out of halftime, we're just going to reset our score to zero, then this game still goes into overtime. They <laughs> <laughs> give a, what is it, like a 20-something point lead on them. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're just going to start over at zero. Still, still beat you. Well, you definitely would have won this with Mark Smith, though. <laughs> yeah. If Mark Smith was playing, mark my words, this, this like everything. forty point game, we would have won. Yeah, I don't know. I like you said, there's not much to say about this. Uh, um, Auburn just took control. I mean, they their shots weren't falling in the first half. They started falling in the second half. That was pretty much all there was to it. And they were doing some things to the Missouri bigs that not many teams have done this year. Just bring, just saying, we're gonna. They were playing five out at one point. Nobody in the paint and just shooting threes. And Jeremiah Tillman and Reed Nicka didn't really know what to do there. They had good, like the five spot offensively was good in this game. Good production from the five spot. Mm-hmm. But when the, when those same, when their equivalent for Auburn was like a combined 40% from three, it's, it's kind of scary. You're doing some tabulating over there? So Jeremiah Tillman scored 15 in this game? Yeah. And Reed Nico added five. And he only so, had one foul. Yeah. Well, I guess that's something to oh, hang yeah. your hat on. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I have actually been wanting to bring up uh, regarding Tillman was um, the percentage of minutes that he's playing this year compared to last year. And so far in conference play, he is playing 57.5% of the available minutes. And last year, in all of conference play, he averaged 48.5%. So he's he's definitely improved his ability to stay on the floor. And it looked really scary there for a three-game stretch where he fouled out and played like 12 minutes, 7 minutes, something like that. Yeah, he was completely invisible there for a little bit. But we were hoping he would bounce back, and he absolutely did. And if he just continues this for the rest of the season... It, it, it'll still flare up. I mean, he's yeah. going to be really aggressive at times and yeah. I to just, a fault. But. I hope that he is just enjoying himself. Yeah. Like, It's an amazing privilege to play college basketball at a program like Missouri or you know a Power 5 program or even a Division One school anywhere. It's, it's an incredible privilege to be able to do that. 
but sometimes I'm just afraid that he hates his life or some of these players right. yeah. just because I don't know it'd be tough with the the scrutiny of fans and you know and coaches all the time and and just working so hard and not seeing results that you might be happy with could be exhausting yeah. but I I hope that he's enjoying himself and just continues to get better and maybe he'll see the the light at the end of the tunnel for for next year Auburn definitely bounced back bounced back though they yeah, had lost they three okay. games in a row. They did just fine. They needed a win, and they had just... <laughs> They're good. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely are better than their conference record suggests. Well, is that enough That's about enough those two losses? That. So we have a guaranteed take-it-to-the-bank win coming up this week. Not only is Missouri hosting... The down-on-their-luck Vanderbilt Commodores, who are 0-7 in the SEC and are probably going to finish last, it's a rally for Ryan game. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if you can guarantee a win, honestly, at this point, but then, now I know what you mean. Yes. We're going to win. It's a rally for Ryan game. And uh, before we actually start talking about Vanderbilt, I want to shout out uh, Willie Jackson, okay. who is a former Mizzou player who transferred. He was a Kim Anderson recruit. He tweeted out a picture of his shoes. I don't know if they were his basketball shoes or just everyday shoes with um, yellow laces. And he just tweeted this out a few days ago that he was wearing those um, to represent Ryan Luz. And that's cool. That she's a, a special girl and he was thinking about her. And that's awesome to see that when the Rally for Ryan game kind of came back around, he was thinking about it and yeah. wanted to show his support, even though he's not a Missouri Tiger anymore yeah he's always a guy that I kind of wished would stick around and yeah. I hated to see him go he went back closer to home for family reasons at the time is what was announced which happens and uh, that he he didn't need family reasons to leave that program at the yeah, time well, so. I don't know if that's actually the reason but uh, <laughs> we'll just take his uh, take his word for it yeah so um, it's always a cool event that Missouri does uh, they raise a lot of money for cancer research and they are undefeated in rally for Ryan games, so, and they strategically picked Vanderbilt this year. <laughs> yeah, not surprising. Why didn't they pick Tennessee? Yeah. I'd, I'd love to beat Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I think um, when you are trying, maybe they're trying to keep a streak going, and you kind of got to play it safe at times. Yeah, I don't really want to lose the rally for Ryan game. Exactly. Um, but Missouri, uh, first of all, Vanderbilt is ranked 135th in Ken Palm. They're nine and eleven on the season overall, zero and seven in conference. Uh, the mid. Uh, they're about 140 in offense, 125 in defense. So Missouri is looking to make it two wins in a row against Vanderbilt after winning last year by eight points on the road. As disappointing as the season has kind of become for Missouri, uh, I think Vanderbilt probably had it even worse because they had such high hopes with you know Darius Garland and some and they had a couple of other like really highly re, relate uh, related highly highly related recruits. highly rec uh, ranked recruits you know coming in and um, even you know I think everybody kind of bought in I would definitely thought that they might have a shot at being pretty decent and yeah. uh, obviously Garland goes yeah, they down they were setting and, their sights at the NCAA tournament for yeah, sure yeah for sure and uh, I mean reasonably so probably Garland is a fantastic player we watched him play in the tournament of champions last year probably one of the most per impressive performances I've ever seen mm -hmm. and that which is saying a lot honestly at that tournament you know he's a really great player 
Um, so we can relate with uh, our best player going down too. So exactly. Um, but yeah, Garland is the him going down is huge. He only played in five games for him this year, and he was their offense basically yeah, uh, as a freshman. He was leading them with 16 points per game, and he was the point guard. So he and he, he sees the floor well as even as a scoring point guard. So he was dishing a lot of assists, finding guys for open looks. Yeah, but yeah, and they they were reloading after losing a few key seniors last year, but they had one of the top recruiting classes in the country. But <laughs> like we know, we all we know all too well everything can change when yeah. your when your best player goes down. There's just not a lot that you can do to overcome that. Yeah, it, so. and it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, if you're, that's gonna set you back. You know, probably three to five games minimum mm -hmm. so even if you're duke and you're shooting for a number one seed in, in the ncaa tournament that knocks you back a few seed lines well that exact thing happened with duke recently with uh trey jones mm -hmm. getting hurt i mean they've got three of the best players in the country but i mean they're still kind of worried about their point guard going down so exactly injuries hurt you no matter who you are so with that said uh missouri has no business losing this game because vanderbilt's just not that good right um they, I mean, Simi Chateau is still really good. He's a five-star uh, freshman post player. And he, he along with uh, sophomore guard Sabin Lee, are kind of running the show for them now. And, but it, it just isn't enough. I mean, it just hasn't been enough, obviously. They're 0-7 in conference. And like you said, Missouri shouldn't shouldn't lose this game i feel like they they shouldn't have trouble shutting this offense down i mean one thing that we've seen as the season has progressed is missouri has been really good on defense lately um missouri's defensive rating in kempom just keeps going up i think they're around 65 now or so um on defense 66th in defense but their offensive rating is keep has just been plummeting they're down to 160 which as we speak right now is the worst offensive rating in the sec so they need a bounce back game home against vanderbilt is exactly what they need because vanderbilt doesn't have an impressive defense they absolutely don't turn you over they're 311th in turnover percentage defense so that's what i like to hear oh yeah that's good news uh i know you don't have this information privy to you at the moment but it would be interesting to see how Missouri's three-point percentage uh, matches up against the rest of the SEC. Uh, be knowing that they are the worst in offensive efficiency in the SEC, just to see how bad they are at like two-point scoring, because I know they're horrible at scoring. So you know. in in conference-only games, so in only SEC games, Missouri is fifth in three-point percentage, and they played two of those without Mark Smith. Yeah. Um. In, so pretty good in overall offensive efficiency in raw offensive efficiency numbers in conference only games their offense is 13th and vanderbilt's is 14th so that's a good sign mm -hmm. um and obviously vanderbilt didn't have doesn't have darius garland for any of their conference games mm -hmm. so if you look at their overall season numbers he's factored in um, conference only he's not so conference only the only thing that they're decent at is getting to the free throw line and they do that pretty well but other than that they their best attribute is actually three point percentage but they're still 10th in the conference in that so their offense is is nothing special 
Missouri, they should, they probably, I don't think they'll score 60 points against Missouri. Really? In fact, I'll make my prediction 68-57 Mizzou. Okay. I'll make my prediction 70-61 to 61 Mizzou. I was looking at, when I was trying to figure out my prediction, I was looking at Missouri's wins this year. And in their wins, they're still not scoring a ton of points. Like, obviously, they beat Texas A&M handily and only scored 66 points, Um, 68 against Central Arkansas, 69 against Oregon State. This one, looking back at it, it cracks me up. UCF 64-62 in overtime. That's a really low-scoring game. <laughs> and it was one of the slowest-paced games you'll ever see because it was there were 60 possessions in that game. Yeah, that was awful to watch. It, com- by comparison, in the LSU game, there were 83. But I'm getting off-topic. Missouri should win this game against Vanderbilt. It shouldn't be too terribly close. They really need to win this for like morale yeah. and just to like to, and to, to, to keep going near a 500 record. Mm-hmm. Got to win a couple of these at home. Mm-hmm. So that's the good news. Missouri should win. The bad news is they turn around and play on the road at Tennessee. And <laughs> yeah, for, the, for the preview of Tennessee, you have written on the show notes, Tennessee in good. <laughs> Which I'm assuming you meant to write uh, Tennessee, Tennessee is, is good, good Tennessee, but you wrote Tennessee in good. Tennessee in good. I can oh. literally just see you like just just typing that because it's funny that you only wrote three words. So you yeah. probably were just like, I'm going to type this really fast just to like go along with the, the mantra and you're like of just being short and you're like made a little typo and you didn't even check over what words you wrote. <laughs> didn't and you're just even like, reread it. Yeah. Just to, Tennessee in good. But I stand by that. Tennessee in good for sure. Anything associated with the word good is Tennessee at basketball. Yeah. So they are now 19 and 1, 7 and 0 in conference. They're number one in the country in the AP poll. It's got to count for something. And number six in Ken Palm with a number two offense and number 28 defense. And holy cow, is their offense good. So just. Who's number one? Duke? Uh, yes. Jeez. I'll find out. Well, uh, I think we're going to lose. Probably. And I don't think it's going to be real close. I'm going to. Gonzaga's number one. Gonzaga, interesting. I would not have guessed that. Okay. Duke's well, number three. Okay. Can you read me the rest of the like, 300 one, uh, uh, yeah. teams? Okay, just kidding. Don't do that. I'm going. Maryland Eastern Shore is 351st. I never would have guessed. <laughs> Maryland Eastern Shore. Oh, man, I really thought they were going to be good this year. Uh, I'm going to predict 92. 92? 90 to 2. <laughs> An 88-point win for Tennessee. No, I'm just kidding. I predicted 92 to 64, and that's just like a random numbers, honestly, at this point. I typed out for my prediction crying emoji. So are you predicting that Mizzou just forfeits and cries in the locker room? <laughs> no. I, Nothing would surprise me at this point. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Tennessee by... 50. T- 20. 50 I ball. think it'll only be 20. Okay. Tennessee's offense will just not need to score very much. Okay. So it'll be something like... They'll rest their starters by the 
second quarter <laughs> second quarter uh if you really want to make me do a number then i'll say it's going to be 84 to 61 okay that's not know. that's going to be way off probably i think that's all the time we need to spend on that yeah enjoy watching a really good team play basketball now we've got some exciting something exciting to announce we're announcing a giveaway and we're going to give away a t-shirt or two we want to reward you wonderful listeners uh for for being loyal to our podcast because uh we we like you guys and we enjoy doing this project weekly and we want to uh to say thanks and Producer Cameron designed some really cool shirts. You obviously, if you've seen our logo on Twitter or on the or whatever podcast app you used, you see the logo. Um, the the colors are switched. You still have that beautiful Missouri outline, but it's white letters on a black shirt, and it's incredibly soft. You want to just speak on the quality of the T-shirt? Very high quality. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a you don't want to miss out on this. This is a T-shirt you want in on your body. Yeah, I have a uh, a shirt, so I can I can testify to its quality yes. and sturdiness and loveliness. And if anybody sees you in it, you can just tell them, hey, yeah, check out this podcast. It's really yeah, cool. Exactly. So, what do they need to do to be eligible to win? All right, so we're gonna do a little little drawing, uh, and in order to be eligible for this drawing. Uh, Leave us a review um, on any of the platforms that you listen to us on. Whatever it's, uh, I guess iTunes. What is that considered? Apple Podcast, Apple Podcast, Apple Podcast Google, Google Podcast, Podcast, Google Play Music. Yeah, however you can find us, leave a review. If you only listen on Spotify, I don't think very many of you do because I look at the numbers. But if you only listen on Spotify and you can't review us there, go find any other way, and you will be rewarded with mm-hmm. an entry to win a shirt. Do they? Is there a way for them to put their name or something like that on this? On does the list like who said it? Yeah. So, however you can identify yourself, or if you, um, th- then we will tweet out the name of who has won, or and we will, or we will say it on the podcast next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I we'll get a little shout out. Yeah, and we will find a way to identify you get your information on in dm or email or something yep and send you a t-shirt and uh to make things even more exciting if you'd like two entries into uh this random drawing that we're going to hold uh if you have a twitter uh you can leave us or some kind of review um encourage others to check out our podcast on twitter um and we might just retweet you and if uh you'll get a uh, you'll get a second entry into the drawing so That'll be an, a little extra better chance for you. And we won't be super strict on how you shout us out. If you if it if you just don't have a good way to do it, figure something out, and we'll try our best to find you and give you credit for it. Yeah. So don't don't freak out about that. But um, just, and, we're just looking for some engagement, some 
some buzz yeah. and want to know what you actually think. And it, yeah. It, yeah, it, tell the truth on yeah, your review. It doesn't, it doesn't have, have to be, be good. A five star review, but yeah, just tell us what you think. Uh, tell us what we can do better. Any We'd ideas. like a five star review. We'd like a five star review, but it doesn't have to be that. Um, and we're not going to be tweeting this like on Twitter. We're not going to be saying, "Hey, leave us a review." Blah blah blah. Yeah, this so is you, only going to be for people listening. We are rewarding those who, who are truly listening to our podcast, and so you've got a good shot at, at winning if you do, if you leave us a review. That's all I've got. We're sorry that we dampened your day with this podcast. Hopefully uh, we made you laugh at some point. Maybe we give you a little smile or something. <laughs> uh, but that's it for this week. So you can find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Mizzou Sports Pod. You can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. And thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>